fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. So fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who sold too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Good evening, morons. Butts. <laughs> Butts. Uh-huh. We're having a heat wave. Neutral heat wave. Uh-huh. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, even though Dennis is not here, we're doing grumpy old men tonight. Uh, we spoil freely here, so just be warned. This is uh, this is only your, your only warning. And if you don't heed that warning, then you'll end up with a smelly fish in your car. Mm-hmm. And what do we care? Not a whole hell of a lot. Bo's got cats. He can train them to crap on your doorstep. It's true. Yeah. So visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer on Patreon over there. Thank you, as always, to our Patreon co-executive producers that help keep the show running with their support. Let's see. I don't know. Is there anything? I don't know if there's anything else to go into before we just jump into the movie itself. So let's do that. This movie was released on Christmas Day, 1993, rated PG-13 with a runtime of one hour, 43 minutes, directed by Donald Petrie, who did Mystic Pizza and Miss Congeniality. Writer for this one was Mark Stephen Johnson, who did Daredevil and Ghost Rider. Producer was John Davis and Richard C. Berman. Uh, Javis did Predator and I, Robot. Berman did The Fugitive and Primal Fear. Composer was Alan Silvestri, who did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. Cinematographer was Johnny E. Jensen, who did The Package and Red Dawn. Editor was Bonnie Kohler, who did The Net and Hope Floats. Production company was John Davis Entertainment and Warner Brothers. Budget was $35 million, box office $70.2 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 62%. Cinema score gives it an A. Uh, Jack Lemon, who, you know what, I don't actually have the dates here for when they passed away. I know Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau passed away in the very early 2000s. I think one of them was 2000 and one was 2001. So I'm going to say Jack Lemon, I think, passed away in 2001. He played John Gustafson. He was in Some Like It Hot and The Odd Couple. Walter Matthau, I believe, died in 2000. He was Max Goldman. He was in The Fortune Cookie and Charade. And Margaret... Patrick, do you need a moment? I am good. You're, you're fine? I'm fine. Okay. All right. We'll probably cue the drink uh, music a little bit later. Yeah. All right. Okay. And Actually, Margaret, you just no. carry on with the show. I'm, you know. Okay. I do need them. I, I, yeah. You okay. just, just carry on. Just talk amongst yourselves. I'm just going to kind of linger a bit okay. right. here. I'll give you in, a topic. In the dark. The Holy Roman Empire was neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. Discuss. I'm just going to dim the lights here and okay. work things out. Okay. All right. <sighs> Pat, you're, you're ready to feel alive again, is what you're saying. I, I, I am ready to feel alive, John. All right. 
She plays Ariel. She was in Bye Bye Birdie and Viva Las Vegas. Burgess Meredith, who died in 1997, played Grandpa Gustafson. He was in Rocky and Of Mice and Men. Daryl Hannah was Melanie Gustafson. She was in Splash and Steel Magnolias. Kevin Pollack was Jake Goldman. He was in A Few Good Men and The Usual Suspects. Ossie Davis, who died in 2005, played Chuck. He was in Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X. Buck Henry died in 2020. He played Snyder. He was in The Graduate and Heaven Can Wait. Jessica Tandy, 1994, played Alma. She was in Driving Miss Daisy and Fried Green Tomatoes. Christopher McDonald played Mike. He was in Happy Gilmore and Requiem for a Dream. I eat guys like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of for breakfast? Steve Cochran played the weatherman. He was in The Best Years of Our Lives in White Heat. And Joe Howard played the pharmacist. He was in The Paper and Natural Born Killers. A couple of little trivia, trivia things here real quick. Walter Matthau actually got sick and got hospitalized with pneumonia because they filmed this in Minnesota. It was freezing cold. And actually, when they when they first got the... I think when they first signed on to do this movie, I think he and Jack Lemmon were trying to make a deal with each other, and they're like, hey, as soon as we sign on to do this movie, let's rewrite the script so it takes place in, I don't know, Hawaii or Arizona or hmm. California or somewhere like that. And uh, clearly that did not happen. We're so. smart people film movies. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, Walter Matthau up in the hospital with, uh, actually with double pneumonia is what it says. So mm. a double pneumonia on you. Overachiever. Right. Yeah. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis were strongly considered for the roles of John and Max, respectively, but both declined because Martin's health was not good at the time, and that prevented him from taking on the role. And then he actually died in December of 95, so not long after this movie had come out. And actually, I believe uh, Grumpier Old Men came out in, I don't know if it was December of 95, but came out in 95, so right around the time of the sequel. Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon were in a bunch of movies together, starting in the 60s and going all the way up until the 90s. They were in Fortune Cookie, The Odd Couple, The Front Page, Buddy Buddy, JFK, Grumpy Old Men, The Grass Harp, Grumpier Old Men, Out to Sea, The Odd Couple 2, and I think that's it. That was 98. I think that was the last one they were in together. So That's why I kind of find it surprising that they considered someone else you know, other guys for the role because the, these guys just have such chemistry because yeah. they're just in so much together. Well, and what's interesting is there was at least, I think about a 10 year break from the time before they were in this movie. They hadn't been in anything together for at least nearly a decade. I believe mm -hmm. they had been in JFK, but they did not have any scenes together in that movie. And one of the reasons why I thought this was kind of interesting. One of the reasons why, and this is a, a direct quote from, I think Walter Matthau, he says, I hadn't worked with Jack for about 10 years. People would send us scripts, but they wouldn't have any wherewithal to do the scripts. They just wanted to use our names to get the script sponsored. And here, John Davis, the producer comes up with a script that I wasn't cuckoo about that he would pay us for. He had the money, he had the studio, he had the makeup men and the costume men, and he had it all ready to go. It was a go. So apparently that's why they weren't doing anything for that 10 years was, and I, I this seems to happen a lot, is there's a lot of unmade movies out there that they just attach big-name people to it. They try to get the big-name people onto their movie so that they can then go out and get a bunch of funding and things like that, and, and then the movie may never get made. And then it's kind of a waste of time for, you know, some of the people involved. So it sounds like 
Lemon and Mathow had said, yeah, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to just have our name attached to something just so people can go get funding for it. We want something that's done. And so they had, you know, knowing that this movie was all ready to go. Basically, it was paid for. It was everything was all taken care of. They weren't asking them just because of their names. They actually wanted them in the movie. So that's why they were willing to do it. All right. Uh, we'll do a quick synopsis. We'll give you our top 10 major moments of the movie. We kind of break it down for you into 10 moments to summarize the whole thing, and then we'll get into our deeper thoughts after that. In a world where getting older doesn't mean growing up, Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, and Margaret and Burgess Meredith are about to prove that rivalry knows no age. In the heart of a snowy Minnesota winter, two grumpy old men with a history of neighborly contention find their feud escalating when a vivacious widow moves into town. Grumpy old men, where the ice isn't just underfoot, it's in the hearts they're going to need to thaw. You think you can take me? Come on. All right, 1937, and Todd Field, oh, and the ball, I kicked your ass after your football practice, you when you stole my liniment. You kicked Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. Believe me, this man is a menace. He's always drinking, starting fights. Isn't that right? They're both grumpy old men. Why don't you do the world a favor and pull your lip over your head and swallow? <laughs> Idiot. Eat my shorts. So, so what? But after 50 years... What? ...of fighting over nothing... What? What? So? What? They finally found something... Holy... Oh, my God. Moly. ...worth fighting for. See, women get obsessed with me. It's like one of them fatal attraction things. Jack Lemon. Your cat crapped on my steps again. Yeah, who says you can't train a cat? Walter Matthau. Why would a woman come over at 1.30 in the morning to see you? Just why do you think, bonehead? Oh, my God. And Margaret. John, when was the last time you made love? October 4th. 1978. Grumpy old men. If I knew there was a nude scene in this picture, I would have asked for another movie. They have, and you kind of hear at the end of that trailer, they put in a couple of little outtakes from the end there. And that was one of the fun parts, too. You get to the end of the movie, and then it's got all the different outtakes with Burgess Meredith and you know Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, and that's that's one of the really fun parts. Yes, it most certainly is. So our major moments, 10 major moments that kind of break down the movie for you. We start off with feuding neighbors. Retirees John and Max are feuding neighbors in Wabasha, Minnesota, engaging in daily battles of wits and pranks, including John's gag of leaving a dead fish in Max's truck, and that comes back several times. Both John and Max become smitten with the new girl in town, Ariel, an energetic and free-spirited professor, leading to an escalated rivalry as they vie for her attention. Competition intensifies when Chuck, one of their buddies from town, dines with Ariel for Thanksgiving, prompting John and Max to outdo each other in courting her. 
John spends more time with Ariel. He shares that he and Max were once childhood friends, revealing a deeper past to their current animosity. I did skip over the fact here that Chuck actually dies not long after, I think maybe a day or two after he had spent the night with Ariel. And then, let's see, uh, jealous Max endangers John by driving his fish shanty into thin ice, resulting in his near-death experience and a heated confrontation uh, where some long-standing resentments are aired uh, in front of a crowd. During their argument, the root of their rivalry is exposed, a love triangle from their youth. Uh, Max accuses John of having nothing to offer Ariel due to his financial troubles with the IRS, which they've kind of been hinting at up to this point. After Ariel encourages John to take some risks, he ends their affair while his daughter Melanie reconciles with her husband Mike against John's advice to avoid a life of regrets. After Jake becomes mayor and attempts to reconcile John and Max fail, uh, John suffers a heart attack and is found by Max, who declares himself John's friend at the hospital. Max and Jacob work together to obstruct the IRS's attempts to auction John's home. Max causes trouble for Agent Snyder as a form of payback. And then in the spring, John and Ariel marry, and Max surprises John by paying off his IRS debt with Jacob's help before Max sets off to find a, a date, leaving behind one last prank, a fish in the wedding limo. And we end the movie with Jake Goldman sneaking over to Melanie Gustafson's house for some broccoli. Definitely broccoli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was at the last line in the movie. It's You kind of got the long, the far off shot of the house and, you don't really see them, but he goes in. He's like, what you got there? And she's like, broccoli. Oh, and that's the end of the movie. Now, granted, what I feel like they should have done, because these are such classic Hollywood actors, is they should have ended the movie in that classic Hollywood style with a stalk of broccoli entering a train tunnel. That would have been genius, actually. I, I think that would have been great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would have been a fan. All right. It's time for Deep Thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. We'll double it up here. Do you like this movie? And when was the first time you remember seeing it? Yeah, this movie is fantastic. Probably saw it, you know, when it hit. HBO or, or the cable channels. I don't think it was something we saw in the theater, but um, definitely saw it early in its existence. Yeah, love the movie. Love this movie. Family love this movie. And I, I, there's a good chance we all went out to see it in the theater as a family. Mm. If not, if not, if not, I think my folks went and saw it in the theater. And then when it came out, we rented it and watched it as a family. But yeah, this one was, this one was very popular in the Canigallo household. Nice. Yeah. For me, in fact, before watching it this week, I probably would have told you that I had not seen this movie before. Oh, oh wow. But in watching it, I realized, I think I had seen most of this movie Probably as reruns on TV. I don't think I, I don't remember ever sitting down and watching it from beginning to end with my family or anything like that. I don't remember having gone to see it in the theater or anything like that. 
but as I'm watching it, and, and I was kind of convinced, I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't seen this one before. I, I vividly remember some of the stuff from the trailer. Like, I remember as a kid thinking that the trailer seemed really funny because you had a bunch of old men saying stuff like, eat my shorts. Um, right. So I remember that part. Pull your lip over your head and swallow. Right. Swallow. So I remember that. I remember the trailer as a kid watching that. But I did not remember the movie. However, as I started watching the movie, I'm like, nope, I know this. I've I've definitely seen this before. I don't know when, I don't know where, but I've definitely seen this before. So so clearly I, I had at least seen most of the movie at some point over time. But yeah. So uh and yeah, it's it's a fun movie. I think I think one of the parts for me is there are a few moments here and there where the arguing between the two of them in the beginning, I there were a couple of times where I found myself looking at my watch and going, "All right, let's let's move along here." Like we, we've we've done this a couple of times. Let's let's move along. Not to the point where I where I didn't enjoy the movie, but I think to get to the point to progress to the point where we finally move somewhere with some of that, there were a few times where I was like. Yeah, didn't they just pull this prank or didn't they just do something like this a moment ago? And so I, there was a little bit of that, but otherwise, you know, it, it's a fun movie. And I think the the rivalry between them is fun. I think especially it's all of that is made up for in the moment where, you know, there's a life and death situation where there's the heart attack involved. And he gets asked that question. Walter Matthau's character gets asked that question in the hospital. Are you a family or friend? And he answers, you know, I'm. I'm a friend, and from that point on, you know, their relationship has changed a bit. They're still, you know, good-natured ribbing of each other in the movie, but it has it has changed a little bit from that point. So I was going to ask you guys, in terms of a movie like this, where you have a kind of, I don't know, at, at times in the beginning, I almost want to hesitate to say it's a friendly rivalry because they are kind of mean to each other, and they, are do, they do some things to each other that you know, you, you would consider that to be quasi-dangerous. Movies like this, where you have a couple of friends or a couple of acquaintances that kind of battle each other like this, is that typically something that you either would seek out or is that one of, is that like a kryptonite movie where if that comes on, like that kind of dynamic, is that something where you're like, yeah, I, I like movies like that? Or is it just this movie? Hmm. Well, if I understand your question correctly, which I might not, it's what what draws you to this movie, the theme or something unique to this to this one. And I, I think I, I don't want to say if I'm interpreting your question, but if I'm gonna answer it in the right way, what draws me to the movie, well, my folks liked it. My mom grew up in Minnesota, so a lot of the Minnesota humor kind of rang true. You know, the the mentality of some of those folks up there, especially around like the ice fishing and all that kind of stuff. And some of those, those crusty old guys that, you know, you see, and that's not just a Minnesota thing. I think the Minnesota jokes was more the humor and the, the, you know, kind of like the Norwegian, like fishermen kind of things. Yeah. So I think those were more of the Minnesota jokes, but the grumpy old guys, I think what really drew me to this movie was that the Minnesota connection, the idea of just how cold it would be some of the pranks going back and forth and just a little bit of that small town kind of like everybody was up in everyone else's business. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that even as a kid kind of drew me to that was 
you know, growing up, I, at least I had a tendency to think of, you know, old people were like, that was like one kind of person. And then kids was another kind of person. And, you know, there was a separation or like, you know, obviously you go through changes, you grow up, but you kind of like move into this different category of person. And I think what this movie kind of opened my eyes to, and I wasn't like a young, well, I was a young kid, but I mean, I wasn't like a young kid that was 15 years old or 16. I don't know how old I was not doing the math fast enough. But when I saw this movie 15 or 16, I think it opened my eyes to, Oh yeah. Like you see the picture of when they were kids, they're still holding on to things. They're still fighting. And then the grandpa, the dad still has to break them up. You know, I processed like, they're just people, right? Old people, young people, they're just people. And what this movie, I think does a fun job of showing is that it's just the mindset of, okay, are you going to act old or act young? Right. And I think that's what really drew me to the movie. Not so much the arguing. I think that was just a, a, a very well done. Cause like I said, the two guys have chemistry. They've been plenty of movies before where they're always at odds. So I think it was, it seemed very genuine um, and well acted and they had chemistry with each other, as I just mentioned. But I think what drew me to that movie was just seeing that is that, Oh yeah, these guys are acting the same way. They're, well, they're the, they're the same people. Okay. They're older, but it's not like you become necessarily a different person. And now being older, as I see that movie, it's like, yeah, like I could, I still think back and Oh yeah, I can remember the feelings of, that I had at being a kid, you know? And I, do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, that this movie really opened my eyes to that. And that's what really draws me to it is yeah. Okay. So these guys are acting, you know, like a couple of kids or they're arguing or they're fighting, but it's not like they're this group of quote unquote old people that have no relation to a younger person, or I guess now considering my age, a middle-aged person, it's, it's just, you know, we're all people, right? And I think the way they write these guys is great because it's not like they're old and out of touch or saying things that, uh, you know, oh man, you sound like an old man when you say that, right? Like, because at one point they're, they're sitting there and saying stuff that makes them sound old, but then he's turning around and telling them eat my shorts, which is like, that's like the Bart Simpson line, which the Simpsons had only been out for a couple of years at this point. So it makes them very current as well. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so even though they're old, this movie presents old people as there's like a timeless quality, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I, that's what keeps drawing me back to this and just really sucks me in is, is that is really just the way they show we're all just people. It doesn't matter what age you are. We're all just people. Yeah. So what you're saying is people's is people's okay. People's is, yeah, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah. I have, I have plenty more thoughts on the movie, but I want to come up for air and let you guys talk some too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in terms of, you know, what, what would draw you to this movie is, you know, I think the, especially when I would see the trailer uh, of this as a kid, it was kind of the, just the funny oddity of watching two older grown men 
treat each other the same way that young kids would treat each other. You know, like the way that mm-hmm. I would play pranks on some of my friends, you know, for the most part, friendly pranks, watching two older men do this, you know, it's, it's funny to watch that. One of the things I think was kind of interesting is when I think back on it, you know, I, and maybe that's a good question too, is do you feel like this is a, do you feel like the, the grumpy old man stereotype or, or whatever you want to call it, do you feel like that's something that as you're watching this movie, you can picture certain people in like, and be like, oh yeah, no, I, I know people that are like that. Or I know, you know, here's the grumpy old men in my life. Because the interesting thing about this is growing up, I can't think of the the older men that I would have known, whether it was either of my grandfathers or my, when my grandfather would play, to a certain degree, the guys he would play golf with. Sometimes when I would go out and play golf with them and it was a bunch of the older guys, still, for the most part, they weren't the grumpy old man dynamic. Like, they would have a moment here and there, but it wasn't like that. Like, even when they kind of competed with each other on the golf course, it was still... You know, there was a teeny tiny little bit of trash talking every now and then. But, you know, this was also Southwest Missouri Southern Baptist guys. So they're not going to do a ton of trash talking. So I don't know. What was kind of interesting to me was as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, in my life, do I have any grumpy old men that I can think of that, like, I can connect to and say, oh, yeah, I totally know somebody that's like this? Not in my family. Like, I can't pin down anybody in my family or I can't pin down anybody that I can just think of and go, yeah, I, uh, I know, I know some grumpy old men. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, I kind of figured a lot of people watching this would be like, oh yeah, I totally know, you know, two guys that are like that. Or I totally know some grumpy old men. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because even the name, the grumpy old men and, and that it's not like they're, Oh, the sky is falling. We hate all change. Let's take it back to how things were in the late seventies. Right. That is not the cornerstone of what their thing is. Right. Right. And they're, that's kind of when you, not, when you think grumpy old man, it's that's kind of what you think of is the, you know, yes. the, the the curmudgeon. Yeah. Get off my lawn. Right. You know, like the guy in Gran Torino kind of thing. Right. And and you don't get this. They're grumpy because they just they hate each other. But in that sense. That's the real funny thing about that. The irony of that is their whole grumpy thing was basically carried over from when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah, And the best part, when they're arguing, they don't know what they're arguing about. Right. Right. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, And it's not like they're doddering old fools because that that's something that can happen to someone my age or younger. Right. And so it's, yeah, it's 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 such an in a great way, such a great but interesting film because that's what it makes you think about. Like they're not, you know, the one is real resistant to going out and trying new things and all that, but that could be someone that's in their twenties would feel that way. Yeah, right. I think I've, we've seen plenty of movies about someone that's a curmudgeon in their twenties, mm-hmm. and their friend helps get them out of their shell, and you know, so. So it, it, it is interesting because this, this movie isn't that like just old guys yelling at clouds. Right. 
do you let me let me veer away from the movie itself for a moment and ask you have you had a moment maybe recently or you know just sometime in recent history have you had a moment lately where you said or thought something and you were like wow i sound like a grumpy old man oh yeah I feel like I do that. I mean, it was Halloween for crying out loud. Of course I did. (laughs) I I feel like I'm starting to do that on a daily basis. I'm like, I'm really not that old. No, Mm -hmm. but it's so easy to just be like, kids in your damn noise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't have any examples, but you're right. Because it does, it is a good checkup. Okay. Am I just being crabby? Because if it's, if it's just me and then then it'll be like, okay, then I need to go up to my room and shut the door and lock it. So none of the aforementioned kids come wandering in, but it's just like then, or I think, okay, no, this isn't me being grumpy. This is a little over the top. All right, guys, let's calm it down. You know, you're kind of assessing it. I feel like I find myself doing that a lot lately in the, in the joking way. I'll do it because I will purposefully around my kids. I will purposefully use modern slang uh-huh. To just get a rise out of them, mm-hmm. and I will sound like the old man who really doesn't know what he's talking about, even though I I guarantee I'm using those words the right way, right? Because you're hip. Yeah, I'm hip. I'm with it. Yeah. Throw me a bone here. Yeah, I feel like there's been a couple of times lately, in particular, where there's. I'll just I'll just say it this way. There's a lot of young people where we work, Pat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's just a, and that's not to that's not to narrow it down to young people because there are also people of all areas of the spectrum of life mm-hmm. that that sometimes do things that Would you say you have a plethora of ages to deal with? I would say there's a plethora of incomprehensibility that is dealt Ooh, with. Oh, wow, big words. Yeah, big words. Mm-hmm. Big words. And, but there are just times where I just like, I don't know, there's something happens and I just go, I, I mean, I pull a Murtaugh and I'm like, I feel like, and I'm not that old, but I feel like I'm getting too old for some of this. Right. Or like I'm, I'm well, starting to lose. I used to be a very, very patient person and I'm starting to lose some of my patience with people. And I'm like, I don't want to become a grumpy old man. Well, that's because, you know, and especially like the clientele that we teach, we get older and they stay the same age. Uh-huh. To quote a movie that we Which, did, and I'm not saying it in a creepy way. No, no, no. But, but I'm, like, I'm, okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to steal that line for Burgess okay. Meredith's character. Yeah, I feel yeah. like if, if anybody in this movie was going to say that line, it would be Burgess Meredith saying something like, "That's the thing about these septuagenarians." Yeah, I keep getting older, but they stay the same age. And in in a non creepy way, eat lightning and crap thunder. In a non-creepy way, it's like, okay, how many times can I be on cafeteria duty and say, stop throwing food? Huh? Like, and, and you're talking right, and you're talking to the younger teachers. I, yeah, yeah. No, I. In all honesty, I'm in the yeah. lunchroom with the young teachers. Yeah, yeah. and you know, so they're a heck of a lot closer to these kids in age. And when I see their reaction, it's like, what, like, what the what? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. And then you got to deal with it every year. And it's like because do, do you get so? But I, again, I'm going to cycle back. I, I don't know if that's one of the, th- the themes. I mean, we can discuss it. I'm not saying we shouldn't discuss it, but I don't catch that as the theme. Like, 
they're just grumpy and tired of, oh gosh, these kids and dealing with the rum, rum, rum. Because when they're interacting with their own kids, they're just basically doing what a parent would do. You know, they're not they're not showing I'm getting too old for this. They're looking out for their kids. Hey, so and so is going to get divorced. You should, you know, she'd be a perfect match for you. He'd be a perfect. He's a good guy. Boy, I don't like that husband of your. You know. Yeah. Well, and, and when you find out why they disliked each other in the first place, like once you get to that point, you're like, oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can see where this rivalry comes from and I can see why it's sometimes so intense. Like they really right. truly are upset with each other and that that anger at each other has just festered. I mean, they they don't I don't know that they actually I don't know if they actually hate each other because otherwise you wouldn't get to the point later in the movie where he says, you know, where he saves him when he's having a heart attack, you know, but you you can kind of get the sense of, you know, he really has spent most of his life feeling like he stole the girl away from him. Right. And I, it's interesting because he even mentions, well, I married her and I mar- married her for 25 yeah. years and your wife was much more faithful. Yeah, you, you dodged the like, bullet there. Wow. Right? Yeah, but that, but that was like a whole rabbit hole. Yeah. It was like, whoa, what what's the backstory on that? So, yeah, it, it's really, I, I find it just, just a fascinating movie. So fascinating, I forgot the point that I was going to say. <laughs> so keep talking. You're, get, you're getting older, Pat. Thinking. You're starting to forget things. I, I think I am. Yeah. Oh, that, I know what I was going to say. is just how it would switch. You know, he was such, you know, the couple scenes, you, you see him as just such a kind grandfather. Mm-hmm. But then, boy, when the, she went upstairs, man, he turned on the, on the husband. And he just, boy, that was like a completely different character. Oh, and yeah. it was played so well. I mean, Jack Lemmon just played that character so well. Yeah. As did Walter Matthau, and I, I mean, that was so, that was so great. That was so great. Yeah. And, I mean, and and we're, you know, and Anne Margaret coming in, you know, just totally pushing these guys out of their comfort zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there and she comes running out of the, the steam room or the hot tub or whatever it was and uh-huh. jumps and rolls in the snow, and they're just like, what the heck is mm-hmm. going on? I and, don't know uh, what I'm seeing, but I think I like it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, that was a That's good extraordinary. Scene. What would you like to do next? What would you like to do next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm kind of speechless. Okay, I'm going to be down <laughs> for a minute, guys. Go ahead. I'm going to go back into my dark room. Hold on. <sighs> Dream Weaver. Adi, 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 adi. Shwing. Mm-hmm. She's like Abraham Lincoln. And I'm just saying, I know we haven't got talking about the, the sequels, but then Sophia Loren is in the sequel. Oh, really? I'm telling you guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm you, well, you, that's right. You haven't seen the sequel. I, I know. Oh, I, definitely, seen... I definitely have not seen the sequel. Oh, oh that's crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it's right. like Sophia Loren, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, that'll make a guy's heart go get her bad. I'll tell you that right there. And she's the Italian that shows up in the Irish, you know, or not Irish, but in the Minnesota, like primarily Norwegian community there. And Oh, yeah, nobody right. knows what to do with themselves. And, I mean, it's the, the Italian restaurant, it's like, oh, my goodness, that's right, you know? Oh, my gosh. 
Uh, hmm. Yep. 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 All yep, right. Yep, well, yep, we've yep, we've yep, lost yep. Pat. Uh, how do we reset him? Um, and down, Ethan. Monica Bellucci. <laughs> there we go. That's 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 not going to be a reset. That's going to help me talk more. No, not really. Oh man. Monica Bellucci, <laughs> Sophia Loren, <laughs> and Anne Margaret. Twice. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dad, they say that you should start smoking the filtered ones. Yeah, but I'm 94. What the hell good is it going to do me? <laughs> All right, that leads I, into one of my next questions. Favorite Burgess Meredith moment? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yes. You got a mounter. Yes. I'm not right. sure which time he says mounter, <laughs> but one of the times he says mounter. Mm-hmm. It's just so ridiculous. I think I don't remember. I don't remember if we had started recording yet, but my head cannon is that he used to be a taxidermist. Yeah, why not? No. Oh man! Well, and then I'm sitting there in the movie theater with my parents and my mom and dad are just uh-huh. yucking it up with everything Bertie Samaritan says. I'm like, okay, I guess we're laughing at this. Okay, <laughs> man, we're laughing about mounting. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't know what this means, but I kind of like. It. <laughs> That's extraordinary. What do you guys want to do next? What do you guys want to do next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we you, you already mentioned that scene where he goes to try and square it away with him on Christmas Eve. You know, he's in the bar and they're trying to talk. And you just realize that they're you know, they're not even communicating about the same things. Like, you think this is a fishing pole? Well, what the heck? And then that's when it dawns on Walter Matthau's character. Oh, you know, he really cared for this person. And then, you know, he goes and Jack Lemon's character is just like, why? You just don't get it. What you've done to me, you know, and it's, they play it so well. I mean, that scene, those guys really, really just do a fantastic job. And that scene where he has the heart attack and he goes after him. Right. And, and then, and then saves his life. I found that just so genuine. Like I, I was so caught up in the movie at that point. And uh, I I mean, I've seen the movie at least a couple hundred times and I'm still like, Oh man, what's going to happen? You know? And I mean, when he's going up and pounding on the door for help and, and uh, I'll tell you, like, you know, I don't even, I don't think I can say this without getting choked up, but I mean, it's like, he goes walking into the hospital. It's like, okay, are you friend or family? And he's just like, you know, Walter Matthau is incredible in that scene. Yeah. And just, and then the way he says friend, yeah. you know, just that one word, his, the way he delivers that is just, well, you know, it shows him coming to the realization. And yeah, it's just, and then going and going to Ariel and saying, yeah, we need to talk, you know, can I come in? I, yeah. Well, and and if I remember that, if I remember that line delivery of when he's in the hospital correctly, it almost sounds like he's, when he says that he's a friend, it almost sounds like he's also coming to the realization that he's a friend. Yes. Yes. Like he might have not even admitted it to himself at that point, but it's almost like a, I'm a friend and like, almost like it's a question, but not quite a question. And like it's before that point, he had not realized. Yeah, actually, this even for as much as we've dogged on each other for decades, this guy is actually my friend. I mean, he's still a putz, but right, moron. Yeah, and and I, 
I can't, I was distracted talking about Ann Margaret, but when we were, did we, did we talk about the scene where they were arguing in the camera, but what they were arguing about? Yeah, you talked about that. Okay, did I, because that, like, that, that seems, that scene seems so true to life yeah. and real. And so, yes, that's comedic, but that is, everything sets up for that moment where he says, a friend. You know, like everything, you realize that all the comedic stuff, all the serious stuff, all the fighting stuff, you know, we laughed at that before. Like, what are you fighting about? I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay, then. Yeah, that yeah. all leads up to that, that, that very powerful moment. Yeah. And what a great, what a great, like, bait and switch ending of when they're all sitting there and they're crying and are you going to, are you ready for this? Right. Yeah. I, I totally, I didn't remember this? that part of the movie. So I totally thought it was a funeral. Yeah, I know. And that was the first time it was too. It was like, Oh no, he died. Yeah. Oh no, who died? And then you think it was, Oh, it was maybe the grand cramp, the dad, his dad died. And then all of a sudden, Hey, you two get your butts in here. Yeah. <laughs> just like, okay. Well, and then they're playing the wedding thing. And, and knowing that Burgess Meredith's character is the way he has been this entire movie. I didn't even figure out that it wasn't a funeral at that point. Right. Like right. when he starts yelling, I'm like, no, nah, this could still be a funeral. 50, yeah. 50. Well, and I think it shows you that the, the, well, the, the kind of the impermanence of life. And I think they, that really grounds the film in reality too, is, you know, it, it kind of has that, that subtext of boy, just live every minute. Well, not a subtext. I mean, that's like the text, right? Cause that's what, and Margaret character is trying to convince them of this. Well, we got a day, we use the day. We got a week, use the week. We got a month, use the month. Because so much of that other stuff is just right around the corner, right? Like his heart attack, you know, they're trying to collect on his home, you know, all those things. Yeah. You know, that that's all right around the corner. I mean, even the actors, you know, they did this. And I mean, it wasn't even 10 years later that they were dead, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, I, I, man, we could spend the next couple hours talking about what all the different themes really mean and mean for us and, you know, mean for people in real life. I, I just, I found the movie just really had a lot of very good things to say. And they said it with a lot of heart. Yeah. Um, Pat, can I ask you a question here that might throw you into another black hole? Yeah. Are you aware of Ann Margaret's relationship with Triumph Motorcycles? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure I, I didn't know if I we're we, safe. didn't know if we were gonna lose you again. Yeah, no, okay. I'm I'm well aware. Because I, I, I was looking up some stuff on her and then I, I made the mistake of finding that she was involved in a lot of their publicity in the nineteen sixties yeah. and then I made yeah. the mistake of, of being like, oh, well, let's take a look. And I pulled up the Google image search and I thought, oh, well, we're going to lose Pat if, yeah. if yeah. we go down this rabbit hole. So let's, uh, yeah. That was one of the things that got packed away during with the marriage. Okay. All right. I can't, but they worked on my dorm wall. Yeah. 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 Well, you're not in the dorms anymore. Yeah, no. Okay. No. No. What I, happens if? What it doesn't. Uh, next it doesn't. To the bed, not it, above the bed. Right. Doesn't matter. That, it it that doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't work for you to unpack the poster and say that it belongs to Doodle. <laughs> nope. No. No. Okay. Nope, All right. Nope. 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 Cheddar. That's no? too bad. One of them. 
it's a lamp. You should see what it looks like from out here. But honey, the cats love the poster. You hated the poster. I hated the poster. You used up all the glue on purpose. <laughs> Not yeah. a finger. Uh huh. Yes. All right. Do we have anything else that we want to say about grumpy old men? I'm I'm really sad that Dennis was not here. I would have liked to have gotten the first hand take on this from someone who's who's living that life and is of that generation. Uh, yeah. He would have offered a a more for a more authentic insight Agreed. into the. Agreed. The, the struggles of a grumpy old man. Agreed. I'm, as, I'm just as podcasters. I mean, we always try to be as authentic as we can. So if I can get a special guest star that is much closer to the source material, you know, I'm I'm always wanting to have that opportunity so that we can just we can really talk to a grumpy old man. I, I'm just I'm just saying. I believe if I did my math correctly in this film. And Margaret's not that that much older than I am. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It would be it would be ninety three, wouldn't it? Yep. Let's <laughs> let's explore this together, shall we? Yeah. Let's see. Nineteen. Hold on. Uh huh. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Minus nineteen forty one. And how old are you, Pat? I'm forty five. You're forty five, Pat. Yeah, she was fifty two. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I guess there's always a chance. And I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, I've got the guy that I got a huge man crush on. Tom, Tom Cruise is like, I think five years older than her right now when he's jumping out of helicopters with oh, motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he's, he's Tom Cruise. I know, but he's an alien from another planet. I mean, I think there's no, no other explanation. Yep. Pat, do you want me to to throw another little thing in here for you? Yeah, throw it in, John. You, throw you, it in. Do you know where Anne Margaret went to high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Trier. Yes. She's in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> so way before you were born, but no, actually, no, not that long before you were born. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No. Nope. 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 Anyway. Nope. 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 Yep. All right. Well, Going before we lose Pat, we probably need to move on to three questions. Time for three questions. <laughs> Pat has more than three questions right now, but yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> we can we can play the music and 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 maybe that'll give you a moment. All right. <sighs> it's time for three questions because the three questions are not that older than. <laughs> he asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. 
First question here is, what is your favorite cold weather activity? Is is drinking hot chocolate in front of the fire count? Yes. Oh, well then, okay. Okay. Favorite cold weather activity? <laughs> Bears games. Like yes. going to the Bears game in the cold or something special about going to a football game in the cold and mm-hmm. yep, just, yep, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And those very few times that they win, it's still cold yeah. because Hades yeah. is frozen over. Exactly. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I feel like it's been a few episodes since we've used this, and I do apologize. What I should have done while calculating how old uh, Anne Margaret was. It was my understanding that there would be no math. Because mm-hmm. I'm still trying to work out how our age compares with the people's ages in this movie and the, with the thing and the, and the jello pudding nope. and the, you know, it's best that. not the questions best not asked my no. friend. Yeah. Questions best not asked. Yeah. All I know is jumping out of the hot tub into the snow sounds like a pretty good activity right now, but is I suppose that, that's who you're with. Is that your favorite cold weather activity? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Sitting in a hot tub is a pretty good cold mm-hmm. weather activity. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The hot tub broke a few years ago, and we haven't got a new one yet, but it's nice. Okay. Yeah. I will go with, because uh, I don't know, I, I think it it has to be a little bit cold. I don't want it, like, freezing cold, but I always enjoy every year, right before Thanksgiving, we go down to Chris Kittle Market in the city. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's probably one of my favorite cold weather activities. I'm not, I've never done, never been on a snowmobile, never been anything like that. I've been on a jet ski, but I've never been on a snowmobile. Never been skiing, nothing like that. So, yeah, I think for me the the extent is going to be either, you know, going into the city somewhere during holiday time or, yeah, going to like a football game or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's, you know my wife's answer to this question was shoveling the driveway. What? To which I responded, my favorite cold weather activity is sitting inside where it's warm and watching you do that. Mm. But I'm glad you enjoy that. Exactly. And if you enjoy it so much, half at it. Mazel tov. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think my favorite activity is running in Mm. the cold. Okay. And I mean, because I, yeah, I like running. And when you go out and it's cold and, uh, you know, Obviously, certain temperatures you got to prepare for a little bit more, but it's awesome going out. And, uh, you know, if you stand still, you're going to start shivering and then like, you know, like getting pretty cold. But then as you run, body heat comes up and then all of a sudden it's, it's just like, it's like this layer of protection, right? Like you feel the cold, but it just, it's like refreshing. You know what I'm saying? You, you know come what? back and you get that like windburn windburn face and all that kind of stuff it just so i i i I like running in the winter and in the cold and yeah that's pretty cool and you know what i'll 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 give you that because normally i would joke i'd make some kind of a joke about well i'm not running unless something's chasing me but when i was in high school we started that was kind of a new thing when we were in high school where they gave us choices like on tuesdays and thursdays we could choose fitness activities and we got different Mm -hmm activities to kind of rotate through you know each quarter you could pick something different and I remember I have no idea why I think one of my friends was doing it and I chose to do the lake run 
because we had the lake behind mm-hmm. our high school. And if you ran around the lake, it was, you know, one path around the lake was, I think, a mile. Another path was a mile and a half. Another path was two miles. But you could do the lake run as your fitness mm-hmm. activity. And so I did this with one of my friends. And what I found was as long as I did it when the weather was cold, mm-hmm. me, who really hates running, it actually wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And so I actually did. So now every time that it would come around to, you know, whatever semester or whatever quarter it was going to be during the winter, when it came around to that, I was like, oh, I'm always, I'm signing up for the lake run. I'm going to do that as my fitness cool. activity. And, and that's what I got. Well, and then of course, most times if there was snow on the ground, the lake run, quote unquote, turned into the lake snowball fight while running. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly. You know, and, and that, but uh, yeah, I would, uh, I, I would say not now, like I'm, I'm not running anywhere now, but, but yeah, I think I, I would tell you as a, let's say as a 17 year old, I would have listed mm-hmm. the winter lake run as being one of my favorite cold weather activities. Yes. Yeah. All right. At the, uh, towards the end, the question is asked, who do you want to watch tonight? Leno or Letterman? So if it was up to you. And you were going to sit down and watch one of the late night hosts during the 1990s. Would you be picking Leno or Letterman? Letterman. All right. Why Letterman? I liked the top 10 list. That... It was a shtick I really enjoyed. Yeah. And sometimes Leno, I don't know, he's a little too, hey, yeah. for me. But I didn't mind him. It was just a little too much sometimes. Yeah. But it was the top ten list that would keep me going back to, to Letterman for that sure. That was uh, that was that's why Letterman would have been my answer too. Was I always enjoyed the top ten lists and and I always enjoyed his interviews. As I got a little bit older, Jay Leno kind of grew on me to the point where I could flip back and forth between the two of them. But yeah, I think especially when I was a little bit younger, it was you know Letterman. I liked him a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. We were, there was a lot I remember liking about Leno. Yeah. You know, like obviously like the car connection, he was was, a funny guy and all that, but yeah, Letterman let, I just like the nature of the show. Yeah. Like Letterman. Yeah. All right. And then final question. What is your favorite Burgess Meredith role? Well, this one's pretty awesome, but I'm going to go jump right out and say Mick yeah. from Rocky. Yeah, this one was hard for me. But I really like his penguin. Yeah. <sighs> right. Well, I think I'm going to say penguin. Okay. And see, I feel like I'm I'm splitting the difference between the two of you because I, I, I love him as the Penguin in the Batman TV show, but I also love him as Mick in Rocky. So what I think I might do, since the two of you already picked that, I will, I'll split the difference and I'll go with the first thing that I ever saw him in, which I also love his character in, and that is when he played Amon in Clash of the Titans. There you go. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing. I, even as a little kid, I before I saw him as the penguin, 
and uh, like the Batman reruns that were probably on Nick at Night or, or something. I remember Clash of the Titans. I watched that. I don't know. I watched that when I was really little. So that would have been the first thing I ever saw him in. So since you guys covered the other two, I will, I'll pull Clash of the Titans. Right on. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode for grumpy old men. We didn't get too grumpy about it. So I think, I think there's still hope for us. And, and Pat, your, your age calculations are kind of blowing my mind a little bit here. Mm-hmm. See, that's the other thing, too, is when I start to look at, okay, well, I've reached the age that I am now, and then I start mm-hmm. to look at certain movies and actors, and I realize, wait, this person was in this movie playing this character, and they were how old mm-hmm. versus how old I am now? The one, honestly, the one that has kind of blown my mind every single time it comes up is when I am watching professional sports. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I should be about the same age as the professional athletes because there was a stage of time where I was, and, and now I'm like, huh. Just remember, John, you get older. They stay the they same stay age. The same. Huh? Yeah, I'm like, I, I like watch NFL games. I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably about the same age as this guy. He's 20 what? Whereas, <laughs> whereas you know. We'll go for the deep cut here. I feel like I, I'm probably closer to like Warren Moon age at this point, mm-hmm. as opposed to mm-hmm. his twenty whatever somethings. But yeah, that's that's where it kind of blows my mind just a little bit. Is whenever I will, you know, I'll I'll watch a movie or a TV show, and I'll see this person has done this by the time they were you know thirty nine, and I'm sitting there going, huh? I haven't even mowed the lawn in a week. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. If these people are doing this stuff by the time they're like 37 or 39 or 30 or whatever, I'm like, huh. Well, uh, yeah. I, I made it in and out of the grocery store without too many problems this week. You did? I, I hear you. And it's it's interesting because I, I have the same thing. Like, I'll go back and watch IndyCar races or Formula One races oh, from yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. And the guys that, as a young young kid, looking up to and those guys just – you know, they, I don't want to say old, like in a bad way, yeah. but they, they were just these, yeah, these, these Titans, right. That I would watch as a little kid. Yeah. And then you look at it now and it's like, okay, they still look that way to my eyes. But then I realized they're being depicted at an age that was like half of what I am now, oh, absolutely. you know, yeah. or, or reading through, you know, any kind of history, you know, you know, for example, band of brothers, go up and look up the ages of the the individuals being portrayed there uh-huh. and realize, Oh man, like the major and the captain and all that were, you know, just a little bit more than half my age. Okay. Well, what was the 45 year old guy in that? Oh, okay. Well, the 45 year old guy was that, Oh man, you uh-huh. know, happy Boyington of the black sheep squadron, you know, the old man. And I think he was like 35 maybe. Yeah. I might be way off with that, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. No two ways about it. Well, we'll try the best we can not to become too curmudgeonly. Yeah. I don't, I I feel like, I feel like between the three of us that are here and I I can, 
you know, possibly speak for the other as well, the others as well. I don't know that we have too much of fear of becoming curmudgeons. Mm. I mean, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> if those darn mm. kids don't get off my lawn. That's exactly then, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But again, I'm just going to, and I'm, I'm belaboring the point. I'm sorry to, to our viewers that might be throwing things at, our, at, the, at the TV screen listening to us. But uh, I, that wasn't necessarily the nature of these guys' grumpiness. Right. Right? Like, and that's what, that's what, going back to your first question, what draws me to this movie is that's what I really like about it. They're not yelling at kids to get off my lawn and, you know, in fact, when you do see the young kids, that's the other thing too, is, is like, you know, oh, are you guys still at it? Look, man, we're, you know, and I'm going to vote for you and I'm going to support you and all that. But this is between me and your dad. It has nothing to do with you. You know, when his grandkid shows up, Oh my gosh, you can see him light up, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just, it's just a really, I know it's a lighthearted comedy movie and so forth, but, Boy, there's some real deeper, pretty awesome themes there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this one. We are. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. And I feel like yeah. one of the things I enjoyed about it is where it did take that turn, where you start to where it, it, it did great on me a little bit at the beginning, but then when you start to get more of the backstory of the, well, here's what his marriage was like, and here's why they started arguing in the first place, and boom, now there's a real you know, threat to one of their lives, and I think that's, that's really when I think the whole movie coalesced for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this one. We are going to finish off the month of November, our Thanks for the Laughs month, with episode 499 next week, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Tight tights. Thank you. This month, so far we have had So I Married an Axe Murderer, Dazed and Confused, Wayne's World 2, Grumpy Old Men, and then Robin Hood, Men in Tights is next week. Our Patreons were King Kong, The X-Files, and Quantum Leap are our two Patreon shorts. And then next month is December last month of the year and the last month of 1993 for us like it's a little crazy that it's already we've already flown through 93 but we uh, is our good eaten month we've got alive what's eating gilbert grape and tombstone follow that theme we have a special son-in-law episode at the request of jason colvin from the surely you can't be serious podcast who i believe will be joining us for that one we've got nightmare before christmas comes up right around christmas time and then Pat has also requested that we get in Enter the Dragon sometime before the end Huzzah! of the year. We will be doing that one as well. To start off the month of December for us in just two weeks will be our 500th episode recording that we did. We had a lot of fun doing that one. And then if you're a Patreon co-executive producer, you can head on over there. If you're not, head on over there and join us there. Any level of supporting the show really, really helps us out, but it also gets you a bunch of bonus content. We've built up a lot of bonus content over the last couple of years or so over there. For December, you've got the Robert Downey Jr. movie Heart and Souls from 1993, and then two Patreon shorts for this month, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and The Wonder Years. So we have a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff going on over there. So please come on over there and join us for that. But otherwise, regular episodes... 
coming out over the course of the next few weeks. we got a lot of great stuff as we are finishing out the year, getting ready to head into 1994. So there it is. Gentlemen, as always, it's been a pleasure. John, Bo, always John, a thanks for organizing us, yes. keeping will, us on task. I will let the two of you try to figure out who has the dead fish in their car. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Ugh. good night, morons. Oh, good night, butts. <laughs> good night, all right, everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. We'll see you back here next time.